This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook, and at trevorjamesflutes.com. Hello, this is Talking Flutes. I'm Claire Southworth and I'm with John Paul Wright today with some questions. Hello, 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 hello. How are you doing today? I am top of the pops, as they would say. I've got coffee and it's just starting to take effect, the caffeine. Good, good. No, I'm great, thank you, Claire. Wonderful. Excellent. Now, we've got some more questions to work through today. Oh, no, more questions. Yep. First one, if you were not a flutist or flautist, what would you want to be? You can go first. A male pin-up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too small for that. I wish I hadn't asked. <laughs> what would I want to be? Actually, my I would probably like to be a psychologist because my love of what goes on inside the grey matter. And I still have this fascination. I've had it for many, many years. And I've done lots of things around it. I've done NLP courses. I've done um, clinical hypnotherapy uh, qualifications. And funny enough, my daughter is... Um, I know your, your son's gone down a different route, but my, my, my daughter's doing her forensic psychology PhD. So she's going to be doing it properly. But I think my love... I think I would have wanted to be something... I'm working on people's mental health and do you know that's not really an attractive thing to say is it um i'll change that i'd like to be no, actually i really wanted to be a psychologist i think i would not be, too late uh no not too late something in music french horn player because that's my favorite instrument hmm. okay have your hands stuck up the end of something and uh, looking ridiculous when you play but uh, i just love the french horn the sound of the french horn in an orchestra you can't beat marla and brahms when that french horn section comes out yeah. So from male model to psychologist to a French horn player. There you go. Beat well, that, Malaysia. No, I don't think I can. Well, I, I mean, when I was when I was at school, I was going down, going to go down the medical route, and then my family had to move house from north of England to the south of England, and I changed schools at a very difficult time with uh, exams. I didn't like the school I went to, and I used flute as my sort of escape. And then I remember chemistry clashed with music and for some reason I went music so medical degree didn't happen but I've always been very good at practical things and I think now looking back I wish I'd been encouraged or supported to do more of them so I was always very sporty so I think if I hadn't been a flute player I'd really want to be a golfer, you knew that was coming. Though, I, didn't you? I you knew, knew that, that was, was coming. coming. Yeah, it really appeals to me. But I also used to be very good at snooker. Oh, good. Which grief. is like pool. Yeah. But golf, yeah, I think golf. I, I still think I still sort of cherish the thought that I might get better. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? How Doctor Joe, your son, who's been a guest on the podcasts um, quite a lot, has went down the medical route. And my, my daughter's gone down the psychological route. Yeah. Um, without any... Without any push. Absolutely none no. whatsoever. <laughs> That's strange, isn't it? Yes, that is strange. So a golfer. Oh, you'd be, you'd be very rich, wouldn't you? Not necessarily. 
Don't they earn the same as the guys? It, it, only if you're the very, very, very top. Oh. There are a lot of professional players who really struggle to earn enough money to live. Cracking. So in my, in my head, in my dreams, of course, I'd be at the top and I'd be mm-hmm. earning lots of money. But unfortunately, they, they don't. No, the reality is you've got to carry your own bag. You don't have a caddy, do you? Not unless you're doing very, very well. They earn a lot, don't they, caddies? If, if you're with they, a good they'll, player. They'll earn 10% of the winnings. Ooh. So if you're winning a million dollars, then yeah, it's quite a nice payday. Crikey, they earn that much. That's a different world from flute playing, isn't it? It certainly is a different world. So that's that question. Next one, I think you wrote this one, John Paul. What would your letter to your 18-year-old self be, knowing now what you know? Yeah, I did write this one. Yeah, I had to throw one in. I, when, I, <laughs> when I send you all the questions that I guess are sending, I always throw one in that's, that's me. All right, well, what, what would Apart I say? Apart from don't do it. Apart from don't do it. <laughs> I think, coming from a female perspective, I would say that be tough, be brave, speak up for yourself, but also don't forget all that... Don't forget to enjoy all that life has to offer you. I was very much cocooned in my practice room. And, you know, I got where I got to because I practiced a lot and I achieved. But I wish I'd given myself time, permission, to go and enjoy life a little bit more at that time. So all work and no play isn't very healthy. And a healthy, well-rounded musician is a far happier one than someone who who just practices for hours and hours and hours a day. I said I practiced a lot. I don't remember being incredibly happy during my student days. I knew I just had to work in order to achieve. So uh, the music world is a very tough world. It's not fair. And there are many disappointments, but there are also many successes. So I think I would say to my 18-year-old self, make as many contacts as you can and keep in touch with them. Much easier now than 40 years ago. 40 years ago, you had to do it by telephone or by writing a letter, you know, sending it by snail post. But now that you've got the internet, it's so easy to get in touch with people. So make contacts, keep in touch with them. If you're struggling, ask for help. I always try to give the impression that I was 100% okay because I thought it was important not to show weakness or what I perceived as weakness, especially I felt as a, as a woman in a man's world. It was not good to show weakness, so you had to show toughness. But it didn't work. You, know, it, it's, it, you were then creating a lot of, of mental health issues. And then the last thing I would say, to spend as much time listening to other lessons, to go and listen to the, other, to the string players, the singers other wind players, because they can teach you so much. And I wish, having had the opportunity, I didn't take it, to go and sit and listen. You just nicked my one. My oh, first no, one. sorry about <laughs> that. My first one. <laughs> <laughs> my, first, my first point to myself would be, don't listen to many flute players. Go and listen to cellists. Go and listen to singers especially, because in effect, as flute players, we're singers, aren't we? We don't have a reed, yeah. we don't have a, a mouthpiece, we don't have a string. We are just go, Bleh. okay, it's yeah. just playing over the edge. But go and I wish go and check other instruments and see how they phrase, see how they breathe, see how they communicate. And something else I would say to myself is, don't miss the finer points in life. Because I think I've just gone along like this. 
whirling dervish. I've just sort of hit life and just gone for it. And I've knocked so many things out of the way and I haven't noticed the finer points. I haven't, you know, I've been in beautiful places and haven't noticed sunsets. I haven't noticed gorgeous smells necessarily. I can't, I, when I try and remember back through the last 20 or 30 years, I can't remember fine things. And when you're sat with somebody and you're focusing on a sunset and you see the true beauty, during lockdown, I refound the sound of birds because there's no traffic. And I thought, we've always had birds, but I've never heard them. To encapsulate, because you know me, Claire, I could go on for hours, try and notice the small things. When you're walking down the road, don't just be thinking about other things. Notice the colours, notice the smells. If you're sat in a concert hall, try and listen to all the parts within an orchestra. Don't just focus on the whole or the one bit. And I think by doing that, you become... You you will be, the Jean-Paul of 18-year-old, become more rounded and probably more grounded which will make you less loud and less brash and calmer. Yeah, all good things. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that when you're younger, you live life at a very fast pace mm. and it's difficult to actually take time and be more mindful of what's going on around you and to nurture and take care of your friends. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because they help you in that in that in your in your life to enjoy things and to notice things and be thankful of the things that are going on around you so yes you have to spend a long time practicing to get better but there's plenty of time around that to look around you and you know go and go and look at at uh, art galleries and museums and parks and the sea yeah, and ask the question, who am I? Oh, that's a... <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a really philosophical question, but the older you get, you start to sort of... And, and you, you, you've got it right. You, you mature as you get older. Mm. And you, when you mature, you sort of slow down because you realise you don't have to keep whacking down doors. But you do start to understand a bit more about who you actually are. And you then become not afraid. One, oh, one, th- one thing is don't be afraid to say no. Mm. Always do what you want to do, what is best for you. Because we've always got off on tangents, and I've done lots of free gigs where that'd be good for your profile, good for your... Uh, and it's, it's, it's junk, it's just somebody wants to get a musician for free. And I've, I, I often don't want to do things, but say yes. If you don't want to do something, say no. Okay. Yep. Yep. All good, all good stuff. Yes. Right, next question. My parents can't afford to buy me an expensive flute. Will this be a problem to me getting better? Well, yeah, that's very easy to answer, isn't it? The answer is no, it won't stop you. Because you are the music. The instrument facilitates the sound. Yeah, we can all... You go to a flute convention anywhere in the world and, yeah, be people that... Young people, I suppose you go to Korea or you go to Japan, there are lots of people with really expensive flutes at young age. Does that make them a good flute player? No. So, to start with, I would say, no, it doesn't prevent you from becoming a better player. The stand of your flute enhances what you, the ability you have to make music. So, if you're playing on a silver-plated flute, that's it's quite a bright sound. 
if you start playing silver you get a, a, a different type of sound if you play gold you get a different sound and if you play platinum that you've got you have a well it's like the rolls royce sound you can do anything with it so it enables you to work with the sound but it's the sound that you've got so i've been to many countries certainly the old eastern block in europe certainly hungary i spent a lot of time in hungary where i heard some most beautiful beautiful flute players playing on awful old east german instruments but my word it was beautiful it wasn't about the instrument it was about the music and i think what we have to do is flip it around and saying can i be a better musician with this instrument rather than can this instrument make me a better musician i don't think it can make you a better musician it can enhance what you've got but if you haven't got it it won't change anything no so yeah i i, I agree with all that i mean i think Make sure that your flute works. <laughs> oh, yeah, you I know, forgot about that, didn't I? You know, that's... <laughs> because the only thing with with instruments is that if it's not working properly, you think that you need to go and change it to yeah. get a better one, a more expensive one. And quite often, it's just sort of maybe a simple fix that you need to have it overhauled and mm. uh, repadded. The other thing is to make sure you've got the right teacher and you have the right lessons so that you are developing as a flute player regardless of the instrument you have. I remember when I was the first went to Japan on tour and there was the perception that people wouldn't maybe take me seriously because I didn't have a gold flute, which I found quite offensive at the time. I, I went and I played my silver flute and, and that was absolutely fine. But there was this thought that you had to have a gold flute because they were the best flutes and of course they're not. You can have an absolute rubbish gold flute an absolutely fantastic nickel flute. Mm. So you you just have to... Some people just don't have the option of changing the flute. You have what you have. But you can't spend your whole life thinking that it's hindering you. It won't hinder you. You can still develop as a flute player no matter what your flute. I recorded all my kickstart flute duets... You did? On a silver-plated? On, yeah. on the 10X, Trevor yeah. James 10X, which is your beginner flute. Yeah. And I loved it. I love the flute, and I, it didn't it didn't hinder me. Um, I I practiced it, and there's something about flutes when you play them a lot, they actually mature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there's this there's this feeling in the flute world that if ever you buy a flute off William Bennett, <laughs> it has a soul in it that yeah. other flutes don't have. There's a sound in it. Yeah. If he's been playing it a lot, and I've I've bought two flutes off off Wib. And both of them had a sound that I didn't, couldn't find in other flutes. So whatever flute you have, play it like you love it. Put all the emotion in that you need. Work on the sound and see what it gives you. And don't keep thinking that there's got, got to be a better flute around the corner. Peter Lucas Graf, another most <coughs> stunning flute player. He's 90 now, I think. Oh. He still plays wonderfully well now i remember he used to come to a flute course i used to work on for many years and he had this philosophy i remember him saying that he used to always play a flute that he found difficult to play because it meant he worked harder at it i like that yeah i like that too so there was a little bit more resistance or something but he had to work harder at it and that made things better so um i, I think there's a there's a, a tendency for, for us flute players to blame the instrument quite a lot, uh, which is unfair on the instrument. 
So you just need to, to practice and practice the right sort of things. Make the flute work for you. And to make sure it's well padded because one small yes. leak in a pad will affect the whole instrument. Absolutely. Julius Baker used to have uh, the reputation that he could play any flute and he would still sound like Julius Baker, a bit like Jimmy Galway. Yeah. And I remember him at a flute class many years ago. Uh, he came over to Manchester and did a class. And he would, anyone who was having a lesson, he would pick up their flute and play. And you'd never know. You'd never know he changed flutes. No matter what the flute was, he played it perfectly in tune with this beautiful Julius Baker sound. Unbelievable. Well, that's the point, isn't it? If you're in an audience, are you looking at the material that the instrumentalist is playing? You're looking at the flute and saying, hmm, I wonder if that's silver plate. I wonder if that's a silver head. I wonder if that's a silver tube. I wonder if that... Because platinum looks like silver from a distance, doesn't it? Yeah. Yet platinum is most expensive. Yep. Actually, not gold is most expensive now. But yeah, so to answer the question, Claire, it makes... No, you don't. Right. Okay, now there's two questions sort of related to that. Oh, go on. Which is, who sent this? I don't have a name. I live in France and play a flute with a C foot joint, but notice that many people play with the low B. My teacher doesn't like the B, as I will not play many low B notes. Why have the extra <laughs> key if you don't need it? Good question. That is a Why good question. indeed? We have covered this in a podcast, of, you know, two years ago, at least, right. I think. I certainly don't have a low B, because the majority of things I've always played didn't need a low B. The low B adds... Uh, makes the um, the balance of the flute different and creates a little bit more difficulty for the top register, which is why you have a little gizmo on the foot joint to make the, the top note, top C, a bit easier. It's an extra thing to go wrong. And I found that if I needed a low B for anything, I could borrow a, a, a B foot joint. It was never a problem. Of course, there are many more things now written that include low B, and there's a lot of contemporary music that use multiphonics that need the low B for that fingering, for the multiphonics to work, but it's, it's still rare. And I think the balance of a C foot joint is far preferable, certainly for me, than is with, with a low B. And sometimes you can get around that note as well. You know, there are various pieces that are always a, a way around of not having that note. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. And the other thing is, you, we, again, we talked before, if you get a, a, a cigar tube, wrap it in silver foil and get the right length, you stick that up the end of your flute and you've got your low B if you need it. Easy. <laughs> I've always been a low B. And obviously America, if you go over to America, most flutes are from step up upwards are with low B. When I play a, low, a flute with a, just a low C, it just feels kind of odd to me. But I get it. I mean, top C is so much easier when you're not having to put the gizmo down. And, yeah, how many times do you need to play low B? But there's also, for me, there's a feeling that there's a bit of extra length of tube, so I might get some different resonance, but perhaps that's in my head. Who knows? But there must be a reason why so many people still play C-foot flutes. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a hindrance to you. If, oh, you, no. if you have a C-foot, it is not a hindrance. No. And... As you get, as you get uh, more experience and more advanced, if you find that you are coming across lots of things you want to play that need a low B, then you could maybe invest in, a, in a, the foot, just the foot joint yeah. and, and swap them over. That's always a possibility. But you shouldn't have to change your whole flute just for a low B. But I have seen people with cardboard or something stuck yeah. in the end or to enable you to go down that low without... To go to, yeah. go to B, yeah, yeah. I, I do. 
<laughs> that leads on to the next question, which is what determines a professional flute to a student one? Whatever you play and earn money on, surely. Yes, exactly. There isn't a point at which you move to a flute that's deemed professional. No. I have played a lot of music on your Tenex flute, which is called uh, a student beginner flute, mm. but I've played in a professional capacity, and I don't think anyone noticed that it wasn't a, a normal flute for me. No. So, yeah. That's There's, easy. There isn't a professional flute. There isn't a professional There's flute. a professional price tag. Yep. And there are, as you've talked about, different metals create different uh, chances to change the sounds, different timbres. You just need to find the flute that suits you and suits your budget. Yeah. Okay. What's next? What are the best microphones for home recording and how to use for easy recording and for online performance exams? Oh, that's a long one. Should we cover that on another podcast? Because I'm going to need to take advice, aren't I? Because I use Rode mics because I like Rode. Mm-hmm. But they're Seinhauser. They're, it's, a, it's a big, wide expanse. And also it depends how... I mean, you can tell with these uh, Rode mics that you can hear the building works outside or you could hear earlier Pete drinking his water because they're, they, they pick up all the sounds. And yeah, with these mics, you also have to have the covers on the front to stop the popping, you know, that when you do a p. But when you're playing the flute, you don't. But also, if you have one that is very uh, sensitive, you're picking up other sounds rather than the sound of the flute you want. So I would take advice from a sound engineer, not talking about really expensive mics, um, because I find that when I use my iPhone recording, it's fine for me. But, yeah, I'll take advice and come back, Claire, on that one. Yeah, well, I, I agree. You know, sometimes just your, your your phone can do a decent enough recording. I also have a Blue Yeti. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's which one. is a really good sort of starter microphone that, that has really good quality, and you can change the settings, whether you're talking or you're playing or with somebody else. Well, Rode do a similar one. They do an, uh, an RT1, and it's USB mic. And you can you put the headphones in so you can actually hear yourself, and mm. you can choose the, um, the 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 sound that's coming back. So yeah, Rode NT1, but you uh, you can also get small microphones that fix into your iPhone or Android. So I'll come back on a future podcast with more information, Claire, from higher authority than my good self. Okay, all right. So next question. This is going to be interesting. How to circular breathe. <laughs> I wish you could see him now because he's, he's doing all the movement. It looks, it, you look in pain, actually. <laughs> Let me talk about what it is for those of you, you that don't know. So circular breathing, it's a technique that wind players use and singers to help create a continuous sound. So uninterrupted tone. And very simply put, you breathe in through your nose while at the same time pushing air out through the mouth using air stored in your cheeks. So at some point, you block the uh, back of your mouth up. You fill your cheeks up, block the back of your mouth up, up, and then use the air stored in your cheeks to push the air out while you breathe in through your nose. So there are four if you like, stages. And you can, you can Google this, you can watch people on YouTube. But the four main stages are 
um, as you run out of air, you block your mouth, you fill your cheeks with air. And then you, the air in your cheeks is pushed out through your, through your flute, using your cheek muscles, which maintain the sound, as you breathe in through your nose. And then as the air in your cheek starts to go, and enough air is inhaled into your lungs through your nose, the roof of your mouth closes and air again is used from the lungs. And your cheeks come back to normal playing position. Shall I, shall I make a funny... Go on, then. No, nobody can see me, which is good. We should, we're glad we don't actually put these up on YouTube, you know, because it is... <laughs> <laughs> so you're breathing in. And then you're and then inflating your cheeks. And then at the same time, as you're pushing out, you breathe in through your nose, yeah? Yeah, blow a raspberry. Yeah, and eventually you can do it without a break. Now you can do this by using a, a straw and a glass of water. Yep, to keep the bubbles going, yep. To keep the bubbles going. And it's not essential. It's not a technique you have to have. Absolutely not. But no. it's clever. <laughs> and the first time I heard someone who did circular breathing was in a concert in a summer school. And he played a piece that lasted, oh, it was a long time. It was 45 minutes long. And it was basically long notes where he didn't breathe. And I just couldn't see the point. Mm -hmm. I could not see the point. It just seemed to be a gimmick. And the sound wasn't very nice anyway. And the, only, the first time I heard circular breathing where I thought, ah, now that is something that I could use, was with Ian Clark playing his... Oh, it must have been the great train race. And... Yeah, on the trill bit. It was on the, yes, yeah. it's on a trill bit. And he's, so he's playing the piece and he suddenly arrives at a point and you think, hang on, he's played this bit for a long time and nothing's happening. And then he starts looking around the audience as if to say, have you noticed? <laughs> and you're thinking, yeah, yeah, I've, I've noticed, I've noticed. Um, are you breathing? And you almost start to feel a bit out of breath. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly he moves on. So... It was sort of gimmicky, but it fitted the piece, and it was a bit of humour. So it, it was a light-hearted use of the circular breathing. I'm not going to use it playing the first movement of the Bach Partita <laughs> so that you eliminate the breaths, because the breaths are part of the music. You need the breaths. I, so le I learnt it to show off, but I haven't needed or felt the need to do it, because I think you do lose something that is beautiful in performance yep. by that breath. No, I, I agree. I have never used it in performance. I practised it like crazy to get the technique, but I could never produce the same sound. Crikey, I thought you used to do it because you used to be able to hold... I, can pl I could play a long line, Yeah. but I never need the circular breathing. I've never used it in performance, That ever. is just breath control, isn't it? Breath control. But the thing is, when I played with circular breathing on my own, it was like the bottom of the sound fell out. Got you, yeah. And I lost the resonance, which you would do, of course, because the resonance of the sound comes from your whole body. Mm -hmm. So if you've blocked the air off in your mouth and you're just using the air in your cheeks, you lose that whole resonance. So I think in fast playing, so in Ian's piece with yeah. the trill, you've got something fast happening, yeah. and it was high up, so you didn't notice the resonance in the sound. It works fine. And if you've got a, a very fast passage, then 
again, you can you can keep going, yeah. and people don't notice so much. But you wouldn't lose use it in a long melodic line. Well, I wouldn't use it in a long melodic line. I think you would lose the resonance in your sound, um, and it's a bit gimmicky. Yeah, but it's a great argue. technique to learn. Okay, it was great to show off with, but I learned it a long time ago. Again, with the straw. I learned it from a brilliant Hungarian flute player called Itzis Gurgli, who's now professor in, I think it's Tanjin, of the, I think they've got a Berkeley uh, school over there, music college over there. And I learned it from him how to do it. And uh, great to show off. It was great to show off in front of the girls when I was much younger. Um, but now I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm wiser that you don't need to do that anymore. Yeah, so I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it. I'm saying that... You use it in the right situation, in the right context, but in traditional flute playing, you certainly don't need it because the music needs to breathe as much as you need to breathe. Totally agree. And I think that concludes these question and answer sessions we've done the last few weeks. There's we have. There have been a lot of questions, and I know there are some more, but you know, we, we do love hearing them. When we chat amongst ourselves on, on a question of technique... It's, it's really interesting. You learn lots of different things. Mm. And uh, you, you, it makes us think. So it's good. Keep them coming in. Yep, keep them coming in. And how do they do that, Claire? I'm going to give... As it's your podcast, you can tell people. It's, uh, you can email us at flutepodcasts at gmail.com. You can message us on our designated Facebook page, which is called Talking Flutes. Like us and follow us. Also like us and follow us on Instagram and Twitter with our handles at flute and at Claire Flute, Eyeless Claire, C-L-A-R-E. We answer all your, your comments and questions as quickly as we can. And we're in the process of building a website to host them on a longer-term basis, so the email address will end up being at talkingflutes.com. So um, we're going posh, Claire. Oh, that's very posh. That's very smart. <laughs> look forward to it. Yes, I look forward to it. Well, it's me that's building it, but um, it might take a while, as they say. It might take you a while, but good luck with that. Yeah. So many thanks for coming down again and doing our questions. It's been a great joy. You've drunk most of my coffee. As always. And um, look forward to seeing you again very soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.